0: Vice President Biden, you You need need us. us. You owe us. Black women are miracle workers. We have been saving the Democratic Party since 1965. 2020 is no different. Your only path to victory is through Black women. The voters who need to turn out, we know how to mobilize them. Our votes must not be taken for granted. The following commitments will begin to show black voters that you are serious about us. America needs a a black black woman woman vice president. Candidates like Amy Klobuchar will not energize us. America needs a a black black woman woman Supreme Supreme Court Court Justice. justice. Remember Anita Hill? We do. America needs more in a comprehensive black agenda.
1: The rules are rigged against our communities.
0: Whether we are talking about a Black person who died of COVID-19 because of the lack of access to health care. Or Ahmaud Arbery being killed by vigilantes. Or Breonna Taylor, an EMT killed by police while laying in her bed. We deserve solutions that address systemic racism, economic injustice, and domestic terrorism. Joe Biden. You enacted drug and crime laws that harmed the Black community for generations.
2: Every major crime bill since 1976, every minor crime bill, has had the name of the Democratic senator from the state of Delaware, Joe Biden, on that
0: bill. You say you know better now. Show us you're serious by doing better. This country has a problem. Police officers and vigilantes are killing us and our quality of life must improve. Joe Biden, this must be addressed. You must address our oppression and most importantly, embrace our power to win the White House. Vice President Biden, your campaign's mission is to restore the soul of America. There is no restoration without us.
3: (laughs) I wanna ask you about your your, your running mate. Um, I don't know if you saw Well, I saw the day that a news report broke that uh, Amy Klobuchar was being vetted, and a lot of people on social media, they're not too happy about that. And um, it's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading Black women voices in this country, and they feel since Black women are such a loyal voting block, and Black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you, and one of them is a Black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them?
2: What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple Black women being considered. Multiple. Thank well, you know, get... so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble.
3: Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a... will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions.
2: You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have
3: nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see you. Take a look party. at my
2: record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks. You. I will come okay. back. All right. I look big. forward to seeing you in person. Okay, absolutely. Okay, pal. Thanks a lot. I thank appreciate you. it, Charlemagne.
4: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my lovely wife and co-host, Star Petrie. Hey, everybody. How are we doing, dear?
1: I'm doing wonderful. Are you doing good? It's a great day to be black in America. <laughs> I'm black and I'm proud. Say it loud.
4: Oh, man. If, uh, if we needed anything to talk about, I mean, here on Culture and Convictions, we don't really need help to talk about a lot of things because the culture offers us a lot but every now and again, something comes along that is unavoidable to become a, a point of conversation and uh, that needs to be talked about. You know, it's it's so interesting because I feel as though, you know, I've been listening to uh, a lot of ministers who are talking about the Hebrew calendar and the Hebrew year and how this being the the year of pay mm-hmm. and uh, the the Hebrew year five, seven, eight, zero, which begins this new decade. And what it means in Hebrew is the year of the mouth. Right. Sure. And whereas some people consider that to be and I'm not trying to go too deep on my audience here but but it's just bear with me <laughs> it, it's it's to consider that some people consider this to be like the year of confession or speaking and declaring but you want to know what I think a part of this is <laughs> is I think honestly you know I'm, I'm, I'm shooting you straight I believe that this is the decade this is a time and era in which we're going to see uh, the clashing of mouths mm-hmm. in other words conversations there are about to be some things discussed in the public square in a manner in which they have never been talked about before.
1: Or open mouth, insert foot. Sorry.
4: Or or open mouth, insert foot. It could be the decade of the foot in mouth. <laughs> it, could, it could be that. But I'm telling you, welcome to Culture and Convictions. We are about to jump into the moving mess that was <laughs> the statement Uh, by a presidential candidate, a Democratic presidential candidate, uh, Joe Biden, our former vice president. We're all too familiar with him. Uh, He has said something that requires a conversation. We need to talk about it and we need to address what took place uh, here. And we've got a lot going on. Uh, And so we're going to jump right into this. And I'm going to be a gentleman and I'm going to defer to my wife and I'm going to allow her to go first because we begin the top of the broadcast instead of our normal introduction with a a, a video an audio uh, clip play from a, a from a, what what amounts to a PSA uh, about um, black women and the power of black women and their interest uh, their political interest in terms of what they want from their political candidate i.e. Joe Biden and so I'm going to let you go first, dear, in tackling some of this as we unpack
1: this. You know what was most interesting to me was, I think, Charlemagne's kind of... he? It was almost deferential. He just sort of allowed that last statement to kind of leap out of Joe Biden's mouth, smack across the airwaves, and nothing was said. <laughs> and instead, the only thing that we were left with, well, this is not about Trump. Yeah. And I thought, well, of course it's not about Trump.
4: What yeah. wasn't about Trump. Y'all
1: ain't thinking about him anyway.
4: Wasn't so, about Trump So Trump it's
1: certainly not about him as much as it is about... Oops. Well, that's not really what I meant to say or what I meant was or, you know, it's just a nuanced conversation that I guess we have to have. And it depends on if, you know, what the definition of is is or what the <laughs> definition of black, black sure. or, or or not black. And so I, you know, I was a bit disappointed only because, you know, I've I've listened to Charlemagne before. This is the
4: same. this this wasn't the same Charlemagne, right? This ain't the guy who uh and I and, and forgive me, I know about the Breakfast Club. I've heard uh I've listened to several visitors on the Breakfast Club, but I'm not an avid listener. Like I don't wake up every morning and try to find the Breakfast Club. So from what I understand, Charlemagne is the guy on the show who really sticks it to a lot of guests. Yes. Like he holds them accountable. Supposedly. Sometimes he sometimes he's rather uh, uh, brash and rather uh, aggressive with guests mm-hmm. in terms of grilling them on certain subject matter. Can be. Even resorting to sometimes kind of name calling or calling them out right in front of them, right? Sure. All right. And so my thing was watching him, which, you know, it didn't shock me it didn't surprise me but watching him do what is the equivalent which which not just him alone but a lot of other uh black uh radio personalities and public figures and so forth a lot of them are doing the same thing after all of this happened doing what is the equivalent of neo in the matrix <laughs> you know when 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 the bullets <laughs> When the bullets are fired at Neo and Neo bends over and does that classic, you know, slow motion, dodges the bullets. And we see some people doing some show enough matrix moving to try and avoid the fact that what happened did just happen. Sure. No, he was not talking about Trump. He was Mm -hmm. not talking about anything. You just got hit in the face with absolute dismissal. Sure. That's really what it was. Sure. And uh, he hit the black race in the face with it and what is more sad what is more sad truly than what the man said are these futile and silly attempts at people to pretend as though it wasn't what it was mm. now that is the thing that disappoints me more than anything because if you look at this and then I, I'm going to shut up if you look at this when it's when the interview is coming to a close um uh, and the the handler breaks in and says sorry that's all the time we have and then they kind of keep going forward a little bit more and then Uh, He was like, you know, you can't do that to black uh, media. And he says, well, look, I got to do it to anybody because my wife's got to go in at six and and so forth. And then it goes on. And then the statement happens where he says Mm -hmm. what what Charlemagne says is, well, I hope you come to New York because we have some more questions. Mm -hmm. Right. And Biden interprets those questions as them still trying to figure out what they're going to do. Like
1: how dare you have questions.
4: Exactly. So, (laughs) so he says (laughs) practice. (laughs) We talk about practice, right? And so, and so instead of, instead of, hear me now, hear me people that are listening to this, instead of looking at it as, okay, you got more questions. I'll show up. He dismisses Charlemagne. He dismisses him. He dismisses really the black race. And he says to him, man, if you're still trying to figure out whether you're going to go with Trump or me, then you ain't black. In other words, forget the fact you have questions. What questions should you have? This is simple. It's cut and dry. You're black. I'm Biden. What's what what's left of that? Mm -hmm. You see. And so it was very dismissive. And it was a moment of such. It was arrogant. But then on top of that, dear, I believe. After being the vice president of the first African-American president in U.S. history, mm-hmm. this man had grown very comfortable. He had grown very comfortable in, in his particular level of leverage. He feels as though he has with the black community. So he
1: wants to say two words, Biden, Obama. I mean, Barack Obama. Sorry about that.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he feels as though there is really no reason to be vetted. If people will go back and watch the interview... It's not just the last statement that is unnerving and disturbing; it is the tone of the entire interview.
1: Oh, interview. He's yelling during the entire interview. I mean,
4: <laughs> he doesn't get through the first two minutes without man. I mean, look, Come look on. at my record, man, and man, and he's and he's got this tone and he's got this temper with Charlemagne from the very beginning, that is dismissive, condescending, and is par for the course with the left because. This is the uncomfortable and inconvenient truth that we as black people have got to wake up to see. It is just the honest truth that to the left, we are invisible. I'm telling you, as individuals, we are invisible. We are nothing more than a block of people that are supposed to move in a certain way. Therefore, they have a prefabrication in their minds. Yeah, of who we are,
1: but they have sixty-five years of empirical evidence that allows them to feel pretty doggone comfortable, pretty with confident that, with that about assumption. <laughs> like I'm okay with those odds; I'll take them. I think
4: no doubt about it. Now you started this with the the video of the young ladies who were talking about their agenda with Joe Biden and and wanting a black female uh, vice president. I'm interested to know your take on that and kind of what you what you think about.
1: Well, you know, my my disappointment is is simply this: that you know, far far too often the assumption is that some type of political position some type of political coup is going to provide black people with the supports that that they feel are are currently either limited or non-existent Mm -hmm. um but my my issue is that we had eight years uh with barack obama and I don't think that you spend eight years just being glad that you have, a, you know, the first black president. I think if you're if you're quite serious about pushing an agenda, then what better time to push it than when you have the first African-American president? He's got two thirds majority in both houses mm. and he's able to push through whatever legislation that he wants. Man. and And yet he didn't come up with anything for you. And so the the concern that I have is just simply, you know, Are we are we trying to truly put forward a black agenda? Are we trying to put forward kind of, you know, this this is our bread and butter. Right. Those of us who have arrived, who have a platform, who can speak for black America, Mm -hmm. black America have the most to lose. And we have the greatest incentive to continue. Right. We have the greatest incentive to continue to say, you know, this agenda has not been met. Mm-hmm. And we have we have the greatest incentive to make sure that black Americans as a whole uh, feel as though the agenda is not being met. So, I, you know, my my only, you know, ish, I think people have a right to request from their leaders whatever they feel is is their, is their thing. You know what I mean? If that's what you want to see, that's fine. Uh, I just don't like the idea of making an entire industry out of it. Mm. Um, and making it a sport because I think after 65 years at some point we as as African-Americans have to say I'm sorry why why do we keep asking them for something again exactly (laughs) what are we doing
4: exactly and that is that is really to me the empirical evidence that judges us as black people and for as far as our engagement in the political process in that in that opening uh, video these women say we have been Rescuing, or I, I don't want to put words in their mouth because I don't remember the exact words she used, uh, but something to the effect of supporting, rescuing, upholding the Democratic Party for since 1965. Yeah. Well, now it's 2020. We're talking about 55 years,
1: hmm.
4: 55 years of unbroken loyalty to a particular party. 55 years, not five years, not I gave a, an administration. Uh, my vote and I trusted them for five years or I trusted them for two terms or I trusted them, you know, for the decade of the 90s or the 80s. No, we're talking about 55 years of loyalty to one particular party and you are still asking for an agenda. Sure. Now, uh, that, <laughs> that is so, that, I mean, that is the definition of insanity. Am I correct?
1: Oh, no doubt. Isn't
4: that the definition of insanity? Because now you you have to ask, then, how could you ever fault or ridicule hmm. any black person, male or female, for deciding to vote different? How could you? You have <laughs> 55 years of singular experience with a party that you are still asking for something from. Yes. At some point, you know, it's like if I'm looking for my keys in the top right drawer and I go there three times and I empty the drawer, I'm not going back a fourth time because the keys aren't there.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unless I'm just trying to drive now, myself crazy. Yeah, and if I
4: did it, it speaks to a certain amount of uh, of cognitive impairment,
1: right?
4: Does it not? Right. I keep going to some place that keeps leaving me empty handed. Why do I keep going back? Like there's a glitch. Yeah. Like, keeps- like maybe I missed something the last time, and you know, and it's, it's, it's so hard for me to watch because see, I love everybody. I have a heart for everybody as a Christian man. I have to, I'm commanded to love. So I love everybody. Sure. And for my own race, my heart sometimes bleeds for the amount of, of displayed insanity when it comes to politics. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it does. I don't understand it, I don't get it, other than the fact that we are influenced by either brainwashing and inertia, <laughs> because we we can't seem to break the orbit that we're in of going around and around and around and around as though we're crazy if we vote on the other side of the political spectrum. And no, it's crazy to keep voting the same way.
1: And, and the reason why is just, and Thomas Sowell breaks this down brilliantly, right? That he he spent decades looking at racial and ethnic groups in the United States yeah. and seeing their progression from the time they landed to the time that, that they've flourished and what, what's happened with their development. Yeah. And one of the things that he found was that it, he said, empirically, political activity and political success have been neither necessary nor sufficient for economic advancement. Mm. Nor has eager political participation or outstanding success in politics been translated into faster group achievement. So just because you have, and black people, we know this. There was a black man that held the office of the presidency. He was the leader of the free world for eight years. And you're still talking about a black agenda. So I am so very confused (laughs) as to why (laughs) anyone would feel feel it necessary to even listen to any complaint any gripe that we have because truthfully we we refuse we we refuse to really look inwardly yeah. as to what our issues and what our conditions are and and you know i think of booker t washington and some of the things that he said and and he gave a speech and he talked about you know casting your bucket where you are mm-hmm. and, and the the principle of that being that you know there are things that we can do with our hands And our feet ourselves that we don't have to rely on someone in Washington to represent us, someone in Washington to go before the people and and lay out the agenda of black people everywhere. Because why? Because we're not homogeneous. We're individuals. We have we have singular wants that may not be replicated by my neighbor who looks like me. That's right. So so the idea that one person or two people or however many we can get in there are going to do us some good, we know has shown to be proven false because, hello, you're still here talking about it. But I want to read something that, that he wrote, and I thought this was so good. He said, mm-hmm. our greatest danger is that in the great leap from slavery to freedom, we may overlook the fact that the masses of us are to live by the productions of our hands and fail to keep in mind that we shall prosper in proportion as we learn to dignify and glorify common labor and put brains and skill into the common occupations of life, shall prosper in a proportion as we learn to draw the line between the superficial and the substantial, the ornamental gugals of life and the useful. No race can prosper till it learns that there is as much dignity in tilling a field as in writing a poem. It is at the bottom of life we must begin and not at the top, nor shall we permit our grievances to overshadow our opportunities, hmm. and I feel like for for us as Black people, we're so busy trying to be at the top, and then we get to the top, and we're still complaining about being at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> that's true. Eight years of being at the top, that's right? True. Of seeing Black love in action, because that's all they talked about was Black love. Oh, it's so beautiful. But then, where was that Black love, and how how was it? How what what result did we see after eight years? Of 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 those two two individuals being in a position to truly do something for Black America.
4: Mm. Wow, I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that I've often seen, and you know, it was Booker T. Washington always also talked about how there's there's a uh, he called them Quislings, which is a it's a word that we don't we don't use today, <laughs> of course, but it's basically talking about traitors, or uh, talking about there were there were just a select group of of blacks who want to keep the the grievances of black people ever before them sure because if if black people lose their grievances he said they will lose their jobs and one of the things that has been detrimental to us as a people especially when it comes to being uh politically active is we have yielded our ever-loving minds over to the hands of a few black intellectuals and white liberals we sit back and we listen to these people i mean every ever since uh you know when when um uh, when dr king came along there was a very palpable uh need for the galvanizing of such a movement to to really turn the trajectory of this nation out of its hatred and out of all of its division and all of its jim crow and 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 discrimination right mm-hmm. but as time has gone on it has it has really changed and now it's as though we it's as though we don't we don't think for ourselves. We have to always think in the collective, listen in the collective. Everything is collective. Sure. You know, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough, and, and, and people may 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 take uh you know offense of it to this or what have you. But but I, but I have to say it. It's not enough anymore for people to be black, mm-hmm. right? It's no different than what is evidenced in Biden's statement when he says uh, if you don't if, if you're trying to figure out the difference between him and Trump and who you're going to vote for, then you ain't black. Now, what does that imply? It implies that blackness then is a matter of ideological conformity. Right. It's not just genetic. It, it's a matter of the way you think. Right. And so for black people, it's not enough to be black or be born black. You have to think black, vote black, dress black, <laughs> uh, sing black dance black. (laughs) You got to play sports black. You get it's like your blackness has to be involved in every facet of your life. And if it is missing in this most important component of how you engage politically, then it could completely cancel you from the race for good. Right. Right. And so now when you subject black people to such a a paradigm right that you've got to fit into this do you not give up a tremendous amount of control of black people into the hands of whatever demagogue comes along Absolutely. that speaks and sings the right type of song to you and plays the right type of melody to you and you <laughs> dance to that thing you know what I'm saying and you get nothing in return yeah because like Booker T Washington said if you want to affect change if we want if we want mass upward mobility, black people are gonna have to engage economically. Yes. That is developing marketable skills and pursuing their own economic destiny.
1: And that is serving humanity. You have to be able to serve others. That's what you get paid for. Hey, but if you're <laughs> but if you're so filled with this idea that you are the victim that everything that happens to you gives you some ability to grieve and to have a complaint, then you're not going to be very good at serving other people. Hmm. And, and, and I think truly that is, that is the disconnect for us as black people, that we've spent more time trying to create and, and curate voices. I mean, we'll get on people's bandwagon. We'll ride or die with them, supporting everything that come out their mouth, as opposed to just saying, you know what, what am I doing? Yeah, what, what is in my best th- interest? Thank you to to move my family forward. Yeah. right to get us from a from a place of poverty to a place place of sustainment to a place of wealth and an actual economic power and that exactly. doesn't that does not come from parroting what's been told for the last 40 50 60 years The the change happens by saying look I, as an individual, have a manifest destiny that I take hold of for mm. myself. That's right. And so for me, my hands and my feet, they work. Praise God. I got a mouth. I got eyes. I can go out here and I can make a life for myself. And the impediments are few. Because truthfully, here's the deal. The the beauty of capitalism is that if you create a product or you provide a service that is superior suddenly people get over color suddenly people get over they get over where you came from or where you were born suddenly people are just like i heard that your biscuits were the best in town that's right i don't care if you're black white polka dot whoever you are i love them i want right. more correct that's right. and that's yeah. how we exchange goods for services
4: yeah it's just like the statement that goes i, I forget the person who said it but it's, it's really a true statement that sooner or later the world will have the best that's exactly that right. is what the world is, is going exactly to end up right. with in, in every area. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At some point, the world is going to always have the best. And what we have to get involved in is the pursuit of creating that best or serving in that best, whatever that is, mm-hmm. because you cannot, I, I believe, and, and I know we're, we're throwing out, you're throwing out a, a lot of quotes here today, and I didn't want to kind of pile on top of it. But at the end of the day, sometimes things don't need to be, uh, some things just need to be repeated over and over. Sure. Uh, you can't reinvent the wheel about it. But Shelby Steele says something that I think is extremely profound. It's, it's a very profound um, diagnosis of really what has kind of happened to us as a race of people. And he said this, he says, no worse fate could befall a group emerging from oppression than to find itself gripped by a militancy that sees justice in making others responsible for its advancement. Mm. Now that is a powerful indictment. No worse fate could, could fall to a people, uh, than to be gripped by a militancy that sees justice in making others responsible for their advancement. And isn't that what we hear in the Jeez. opening video? Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, this is what we want from you. This is what we need from you. You've got to do this for us. And, and if you're going to emerge from, and we have black people have emerged from tremendous oppression. We've made, we've made advancement over some of the highest hurdles, And in the shortest amount of time, really, Mm -hmm. we really are a walking miracle, to be quite honest. We just need to reconnect with that in the past and what our foreparents had. And um, but we have this idea that right. Being militant, being black and proud means to say to the body politic, this is what you ought to do. Right. Because wherever you shift responsibility, man, Mm -hmm. when you give away responsibility, you give away God's first gift to his creation. 'Cause that's the first thing he gave us. He said, Adam, have dominion. <laughs> that was the first thing he said. He didn't tell him he didn't blame he didn't tell him to blame anything on anybody else. He gave him responsibility. And so when we give that away to anybody else, we're giving away the very basic building block for success in our own lives. Sure. And the politics seeking politics won't do it. And it's not just a black thing. It's not just a black thing. Of the whites, the Irish were the slowest to rise because the Irish pursued pol- political clout right. over economic activity right. and you take for example then you take the japanese that were interned during world war ii in 19 1940s mm-hmm. right they were interned had their businesses taken away had their homes taken away and they were put in internment by 1980 they had two times the income of the average american yeah why you didn't see japanese political figures they went there, was to no <laughs> there was no japanese congressman there was no you know what i'm saying there was no japanese uh, senators they
1: went to work they
4: went to work they went about the business of understanding that in this world, ultimately at some point, the world is going to have the best. Mm-hmm. And if I go out and I develop the marketable skills in whatever field of endeavor it may be, That's right? Correct. Correct. I can't get picky about it. I got to find out what's my gift, right. what's my talent, what's my call, what's my passion, what's my heart. And I go out and I develop the marketable skills to be the best at it. Sooner or later, the world is going to pick me and then are not going to give a rip about my skin color mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the color that rules is green
1: and that's how you end up in 2020 you're still asking about reparations yes i mean you're still you're still, you're still reparations looking to today, them. reparations tomorrow reparations forever <laughs> oh, and you haven't okay. seen it <laughs> i'm just being real it's the truth no you're right you're right so at some point you have to divorce yourself from this notion that there's going to be this massive wealth transfer by this magical eft that suddenly the treasury just says congratulations i owe you twenty thousand congratulations you get you get fifty five thousand. that's not going to happen it's not going to but happen. What, what can happen for for each and every one of us is for us to say just as you just said what is my god-given gift and talent what do i have on this on this earth that i can barter trade and use and there's got there's something that i can do whether that's party planning whether that's teaching tutoring kids whether that's whatever my gift is i can use that gift to to purposefully move my life forward
4: and stop being so in the words of my beloved and late great grandmother (laughs) who died 20 years ago but she used to say it all the time stop being so nice nasty about what it is you're pursuing stop being so petty and so picky and so so demanding for something that sometimes is inconsistent with your skill (laughs) set i mean my gosh it's like we want more for less and, and I'm not trying to say that across the boards for our entire race. That's not what I'm saying because, to be quite honestly, that's cultural. That's regardless of race. That's jumping all races, to be honest, in this day and age. Everybody's like that. They're wanting more for less. But what I'm saying is you, you can't keep making demands that are incongruent with your output, right? right. That at some point, we have to get serious about economic involvement. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry, 55 years? And I'm just going off of what what was said in the video. We got 55 years, and we've got Charlemagne on here talking with a a, a possible. It's a long shot by now, <laughs> but a possible uh, president Don't and, and leader so sure. and leader of the. I, I understand and leader <laughs> of the free world being completely dismissive of Charlemagne's questions, being completely dismissive of the interview because the way he ended that interview was like a great big dismiss of everything prior to it. You know, and and, and it was it was really the ultimate if you needed a smoking gun for for the reality that the left sees black people as a voting block. And really, they have this prefabrication in their minds of us. Right. This is what black people want. This is what black people do. And this is what this is what it is. And they see us as this voting block to be shepherded. Right. And and if you needed a smoking gun, you have that smoking gun.
1: So interestingly enough, it was what came after that. That was that was quite telling as well. Oh, yeah.
4: Definitely, definitely.
0: There we go. Sorry, my phone rang, but I was getting ready to say there's that people are in here. So who y'all voting for? Listen to what the hell we're saying, because I think it might help you help answer these tired <laughs> questions. Y'all keep asking. Listen to what we're saying. What we're saying is. During the primary, we helped resurrect his campaign. You know, I like to call him Lazarus, Amanda. Yes, I know you do. Yes, and you know, I think Black women are Jesus. In this context, I'm not being blasphemous for the slow people in the room. But what I'm saying is, if that was our um, role, then we deserve something for what we did. And all I'm telling you is, for so long, throughout the history of Black people supporting the Democratic Party. We have never received what an, an equal exchange for what we have done with the party. Okay. That's it. We're not talking about defecting, oh my god, I want to vote for Donald Trump. Girl, bye. Ain't nobody talking about that. We're saying, give us what you owe us. That sounds but, good, our strict plan. But here's the thing. I don't like the defeatist attitude. of, yeah. So if he doesn't give it to us, what are we gonna do? We're not there. That's not a choice right now. We are. Dem- we have to be demanding, and that has to start. Yeah. So that, that when you say that line of thinking, it assumes that there's no point in asking yeah. if we're not go- because it. It's not. That's just not the conversation we're having. A conversation about what needs to happen in. The future, Right. and we're saying it needs to happen now. Like, yeah. that, like I don't know what folks, you know what? That's and, what here, and here's I'd the like other say, I don't know what folks want, and then I realize folks don't know what, what they want. The folks don't even know that they can want, that they are worthy of a want. And here's the other bad part: somebody in here just said, "Where were you last year making the demands?" Hello, the reason why every primary candidate, except for Amy Klobuchar and Joe Biden, had black agendas is because we were right here, sis. This is where we were. They're talking about where we were, where were we with Obama? We were celebrating having a black president. And by the way, many, many of our folks were just getting energized and engaged for the first time. We we are not too late for us to demand what we're worthy of. Thank you. That's just it. That's just it. And so I don't want to keep having.
1: So interesting, right? That now we're saying we were just we were just basking in the glow of the first black president. So, <laughs> you know, pardon me. Give me eight years to just truly enjoy that wow. reality. Right. Wow. And so you can give us a pass for those eight years. I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about now, you know. No. <laughs> Let's not bother with what we could have done, what we what we should have done.
4: But in many ways, she just admitted that that President Obama didn't have to do anything but be in the office. Right. She really just admitted that uh so
1: symbolism is okay, symbolism uh, is satisfactory
4: exactly so charlemagne he says symbolism is not enough, they're all saying symbolism is not enough, gestures are not enough, and I agree with that it's not enough if that's you know if that's what you're after, but at the same time, uh when President Obama was in office, you just admitted that you were celebrating a black president sure. as though he still didn't have to deliver. Right. And and that's the thing, right. That's the thing that nobody wants to admit that not only have we had 55 years of loyalty to one party with nothing to show for it. I'm going to say that again, 55 years that African-Americans in this country have really been strong proponents of the democratic party in mass. We vote for them. Every black person that's ran for office, whether it was Jesse Jackson running for office, did did uh did the, um, who was it? Did, did Al Sharpton ever run for president? I can't remember. Mm, I
1: don't think so. He no? had too much baggage. <laughs> had too much. Okay. Well, <laughs>
4: well, I know Jesse ran when I was a child. <clears throat> and so he ran as a Democrat. Every Democrat has always been considered the, the, the friend uh, of black America. But then we fast forward to, you know, 2008 and not only do we get the first, uh, I mean, we 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 get a democratic president, but he's African American. We get a black president, and so it's euphoria. Everybody's excited. Everybody is. I mean, it's it was almost near messianic the way people celebrated this this accomplishment in America. And um, then for eight years, mm, things continued as they had been. <laughs> you know. For the previous three or four decades.
1: But it's interesting, right? Because, you know, one of their demands was a a black um, Supreme Court justice nominee. And, you know, when, yeah. when President Obama was in office, he chose a wise Latina. I mean, he did. you know, he said, I'll, I'll go with Sotomayor. And,
4: I mean, it, I'm pretty sure that was a justice I, I don't somewhere.
1: Believe, I don't believe that there was a black woman on his on his short list to make the Supreme Court. At least he never put them forward. So... Uh,
4: but once again, he didn't have to do anything.
1: Well, but that's, that's my point that um. obviously those other groups had made inroads because obviously, you know, especially back then, the Democrats were very much looking forward to the Hispanic vote being kind of the new golden goose, right? That if oh, yeah. we get this Hispanic vote the way, you know, the way they're growing in population, this could, this could cement us in, in office for a very long time.
4: And you know, yeah. And you know, that's another thing that I think a lot, I, when I listen to these, um, uh, these young culture shapers as they may consider themselves to be in social engineers. Uh, when I listen to them, you know, especially for those talking to African American people, I'm always, it's always funny to hear how absent uh, illegal immigration is in these agendas as though that is not a concern of the African American community.
1: Yeah, no, they're not going to, they're not going to address that, but they, but they do want to make sure that you know that they want economic opportunity and, and they want a transfer of wealth. Because they feel like it's right, and and here's the and here's the issue with that. The problem is that your vote doesn't count for much because your vote never moves. Mm. You see, your 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 vote has to have Come some on. velocity to Say it. Say that again. Your your vote has to have some amount of life to it, which means I will pick up this vote and I will swing it to the other side because <laughs> I am I dislike what this party is doing for yeah. me or for others. Right, exactly. but if But if I continue to sit there and say, Well, I don't like what y'all doing, you need a black agenda. Yeah. But then I say, Okay, I'm gonna vote Democrat this time and then I gotta vote Democrat next time. Well then again, you've not incentivized the other party at all to do to do much for you. That's even even for Republicans, because the issue will be, well, Republicans don't do enough outreach. Why would I if you're going to give 96 percent of your vote, 92 percent of your vote to, to the other party,
4: regardless of, of what said,
1: regardless of what I point out,
4: because you have a disbelief that you will not suspend that is, that about correct. the Republican Party. That is correct. You will not suspend that disbelief. You you I mean, you you honestly are sold on the fact that, that they are the party of racism, racism racism and there is nothing else they could say to you nothing there's nothing else they could do Nothing. there's nothing else they could do to accomplish. i mean once again i keep going back to this and i know it sounds like a broken record but it it, it bears repeating because <laughs> because it's how repetitious we've been sure. <laughs> 55 years 55 years yeah. at some point you ought to trip and fall over something in 55 years if you ain't even looking for it right I mean, at some point, and here's the thing, doubling down on this, here's the thing that that is just, it is mind-boggling to me, is because now, not only are they stating these items as a part of the agenda, so they're talking about economic justice or injustice, um, wealth inequality, they're calling it, they're talking about criminal justice reform. Of course, aside from the black VP and the black Supreme Court Justice, black female VP and black uh, female Supreme Court Justice, which are very specific things. um, Under President Trump, black people were just enjoying record low unemployment. Mm -hmm. We just saw for the first time prison reform. We just had the First Step Act, we just had urban revitalization. It's it's almost as though it's every, too many facts. Could it's you... almost as though COVID nineteen has kind of covered over a lot of things that could be being discussed that at this was time. The whole point, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of whitewashed everything into the background. Sure. But the truth of the matter is, black people were having a voice. There are black people that have a voice in Washington D.C. now about legislation and policies geared toward the revitalization of urban communities this is happening this, never this this, this isn't hearsay the they say
1: but that never had a seat at the that table never had a
4: seat at the table four years ago and many of these uh these people on television when they're blowing an opportunity sure because they're stuck in this old paradigm of thinking right and they will not suspend that disbelief, right? They they just they just know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they're right about it, and the very thing that they're sitting up here voicing these itemized these items in this list in their their uh, agenda, these things are being done, <laughs> these things are happening now, and had been happening for the first four years of President Trump's Candace, uh, uh, President Trump's uh, tenure in time, and so that's what makes it. Doubly weird because it's like you're you're asking for something that somebody is already showing an initiative to want to do, but Uh, you don't see it.
1: Not just want to do, but to 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 actually do, and is extending yes, and want to do more, (laughs) work with me.
4: And and people are talking about it. I mean, thousands of black people have had their sentences shortened. People have been released from prison, have gone home. I'm publicly thanking the president, publicly thanking those who are a part of this policy. These things are happening. What they're asking for is happening. And they're over there once again being Neo in the Matrix. And they're dodging all these facts to act like this that. stuff ain't uh-uh. happening. I mean, it's amazing to see. And they have to live. And I'm telling you, it's unhealthy for us because it it. it It speaks of a cognitive dissidence. Right. This disconnect from reality that that's one of the things that is extremely detrimental to us as black people, because in so many ways, especially when it comes to politics, we have to live in an alternative world about a lot of things.
1: Well, it it just er it erodes our will to actually go out and and pursue and to do instead we're we're so stuck in this mode of there's a boogeyman out there yeah and that boogeyman is everywhere he's so slick you can't see him because it's it's systemic racism there's a lion in the street it's 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 everywhere (laughs) it's everywhere and so for for a lot of black youth in particular you know they fall prey to this well what is there for me right Mm -hmm. what what can i do i mean there's so much racism meanwhile you know they're they're Married up, having kids out of, you know, with yeah. with different races and everything else. Absolutely. But the world is supposed to be black and white. And it's just not anymore. It's not. I mean, people people's lenses and lives have expanded in all sorts of ways. And so the conversation is one of, guys, again, we've got to unstick ourselves from, from that time. We've got to move beyond that and you have a wonderful opportunity because in, in my opinion it's not about whether or not the person that you want is in the white house the question is whether or not that person is willing to allow you a seat at the table mm. and if that person says hey the white house is open love to do business with you love to have a conversation with you might not agree with you on everything but certainly we can at least have the conversation i think that should be pretty refreshing to anybody yeah. who can say hey he might not do everything that I want, but certainly he's allowed me an opportunity to voice the things that I think are important, as opposed to just giving me lip service during the political campaign season. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in office, you know, you do a couple clickbait items, put Beyonce and Jay-Z in the war room, do a couple other things, and I'm supposed to be satisfied with that. Yeah. That's not enough, wow. right? Then then you can ask those questions. But if you're not, honestly, the, the problem is that we have manufactured these grievances, and we we don't want to be satiated. We don't want to be satisfied. You're right. We don't.
4: Mm. You're absolutely right about it. I have to agree with that 100 percent, because, I mean, look at where we are. I mean, and, and once again, uh, the thing that is it, it has gotten me uh, all worked up. I cannot stand to see people acting like something isn't so, <laughs> you know, it's just like why put so much effort to pretend It's like we've got to be honest and we've got to be true to what is reality. And when you look at the history of our of our race of people coming up in the United States of America, we have made our gains and they have been miraculous gains. But we have made our gains not by trying to befriend the body politic. We have made our gains by working and by having strong morals. And a strong uh, uh, center in family and in faith, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to talk about that because no matter what, let's say you got your agenda, right? Let's say you you've you've got uh, economic inequality addressed. Let's say you you got criminal justice reform. Let's say somebody put a, a, a black woman on the on the Supreme Court. Let's say somebody puts a black person um, has a black VP and they actually win the presidency, right? What is that going to do to change the inherent culture within our community that ultimately has the final say of what we where we go and what we do, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's everything, and so we have to deal with that on our own.
1: And truly, I think the disconnect too is this idea that when when people go to Washington, that they're still as much uh, a part of the collective as they've ever been, and even much more now because they're they're speaking for us. But truly, I mean, politics is a game of of survivor. It ain't about mm-hmm. it's not about going up there for four years. It's about oh, going no. up there for 12, 16, <laughs> 20. I mean, I mean, you know, when they tout their record, they like to say they've been there for 30, 34 Because they have long their own interests. That's exactly right. That's what I'm getting to. That yeah. it's not, it, it's not about going to Washington to support this broad spectrum of human beings that I may never know, meet in time or space. It's about what do I have to do that's politically expedient for me to mm-hmm. sustain my career that's it right where i have have tried to position it that's and that's it. and and the next step is me going either from the House to the Senate and then trying to run for president. I mean these people have it all laid out that's, that's why it. Stacey abrams can say i'm going to be president in twenty forty They have a plan, yeah, so this idea that they go into public service thinking about all the things they can fall on their sword for. For this one or that one, for the little one, for the forgotten, is a misnomer, and and I don't understand why we don't understand this in 2020. That those people rarely exist, and when they do exist, it's the reason why they're usually one term and mm. out.
4: No doubt about it. You know, it, it reminds me when you say that it it kind of reminds me of a statement. It goes something like this, some kind of paraphrasing it, but it talks about how, and and I'm not trying to be an apologist here for for President Trump, but. This is just a truthful and honest statement. It said we shouldn't really be concerning ourselves with checking the tax returns of a billionaire who became a public servant. What we need to be asking, <laughs> what we need to be checking on the tax returns of the public servants who went in poor and came out millionaires. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we need Absolutely. to be asking. Because it's like, how did you become so rich serving, right? Serving. In a public serving. trust. That's not a career. You didn't go in and create a, a, a chip. <laughs> a microchip or anything. You didn't no, produce anything. Not at all. You went in as a public servant and here you come out with millions of dollars. All that
1: insider information you got.
4: Exactly. And that's, <laughs> those are the tax returns we need to be checking. Yeah, absolutely. But, but these, this, these are the things we need to talk about because as black people, we cannot keep looking to politics and politicians and the government in that way. We need to be holding the government accountable to keeping an environment by which we can pursue our own interest and maintain our freedoms. That's it. That's, it. That's, what, that's what we want. And it's not about whether you're on the right or on the left and all of this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, we've got to become individuals. When I listen to all of these people say all of these things on these talk shows and radio shows and whatnot in their podcasts and what have you, I think to myself, I am so glad I don't need anybody to think for me. I'm glad I'm not in a position where I'm sitting up here hanging on the words of people who don't even know me. Hmm. They don't know my position, my lot, my station in life. They don't know what is in my best interest for my children, my wife, nothing.
1: Oftentimes they don't care. either, And and don't care. (laughs) And
4: I'm so glad I'm not sitting there hanging off of their words to know where I'm going to place my vote. No, I'm going to educate myself on what is in my best interest as a citizen of a free country. And I'm going to exercise my right to cast my vote in agreement with freedom, liberty and righteousness. Now, that's that's what I'm going to do. Now, if that puts me at odds with everybody else, so be it, <laughs> you know, because okay. at the end of the day, we're individuals and we cannot allow ourselves to be, you know, herded and shepherded into a collective because that's when we we become subject to the political whims.
1: So it's always interesting to me how, you know, we use different. Uh, people throughout history to kind of, you know, make our mark. And we we hear a lot of progressives, a lot of liberals reference Malcolm X. And it's funny because people like to sort of cherry pick the parts of of people that they like and then they they leave out the stuff that actually is actually very critical you know what i mean to knowing the full the full definition or getting a full picture of that person no doubt so so we want to kind of you know leave the show and kind of put a pin in it with malcolm x malcolm Um, had a word he had he had a word (laughs) uh, for political chumps and so we're going to play that
5: 22 million black victims of Americanism are waking up and they're gaining a new political consciousness, becoming politically mature. And as they become, uh, develop this political maturity, they're able to see the recent trends in these uh, political elections. They see that the whites are so evenly divided that every time they vote, uh, the race is so close, they have to go back and count the votes all over again. And that, that, which means that any black any minority that has a block of votes that stick together is in a strategic position. Either way you go, that's who gets it. You're, you're in a position to determine who go to the White House and who'll stay in the doghouse. You're the one who has that power. You can keep Johnson in Washington, DC, or you can send him back to his Texas cotton patch. You're the one who sent Kennedy to Washington. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. When you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And they're all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and got it out of the way, and now they bring up you. <laughs> and now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last. Because you're a chunk. A political chump. In Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives, there are 257 who are Democrats. Only 177 are Republicans. In the Senate, there are 67 uh, Democrats. Only 33 are Republicans. The party that you pass controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives in the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chunk. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you're dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race.
4: Well, it seems as though the more things change, the more they stay the same. I am Aaron Petrie, along with my wife, Star Petrie, and this has been another podcast of Culture and Convictions. Please like, share, distribute this to your friends, your family, those you who those you believe may be interested in this type of commentary.
5: Thank you so much. and We'll see you next time.